Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview series. It is episode number 197, and we are going to lead off with Rashawn Burno, the head men's basketball coach at Northern Illinois University. Really appreciate his time leading off this week's podcast. Uh, before we get to coach here, uh, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located here at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi. They are the absolute best went there a couple times earlier this week you turn 50 and you start breaking down i got more creaks and groans and i gotta get this stuff worked out before the season starts so go see dr kevin and dr heidi follow us on twitter at a pen and a napkin we try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the twitter handle so be sure to follow us there uh if you're listening go to itunes download rate review give us five stars so that we get the word out when people look up coaching basketball podcasts a pen and a napkin pops up early and often and they can check ours out here. So that will help. And, of course, any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Again, we're going to kick off this week with Rashawn Burno, head men's basketball coach at Northern Illinois University. Coach, how are you doing this evening? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited to have you here. Uh, we, we've got a window that uh, we want to uh, fit you in here. So uh, let's just hop right into it here. Uh, Northern Illinois, uh, there's there's got to be a little bit of buyer's remorse giving up those Arizona winners, Coach. Just a, just a little bit, doesn't there? Yeah, just a tad. You know, right now it's probably 95. Uh, <laughs> so uh, at 6:37 p.m. Uh-huh. So, uh, but like anything else, you get a, you get used to the to the environment in which you're in. So yep. I'm adapting. I'm adapted to the rain and cold right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you went to school in Chicago. You went to college there, so it wasn't like you weren't going into an unknown place. You knew you knew what you were getting into, right? Yeah, but when you go to two warm states for <laughs> three to three and six, your blood gets a little bit thinner. So it takes, as you talked about, getting a little bit older. It, it's a little bit. It gotta adjust to it. It takes some time. Uh, you know, that windstorm factor, boy, it, 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 it crack them bones a little bit. So <laughs> we, we we try to say seasoned and experienced experienced uh, on the pod okay. here. So we we try not to use the O word here. So, uh, but uh, no, coach, appreciate your time here. Uh, let's dive in. Uh, you know, one of the things, and like we were talking about uh, before we started recording, uh, I had forgotten that. Uh, you know, we, we had reached out and connected with each other and, you know, didn't even realize or had forgotten that uh, you're a St. Anthony's guy out of Jersey City and one of the most legendary programs in the country. Um, you know, obviously, unfortunately, now the school is is no longer uh, in existence for financial reasons and and uh, just, you know, fought the good fight for a really, really long time. Uh, but just a, a powerhouse basketball factory. What what made St. Anthony's and the run that you guys had at St. Anthony's so special? Well, it comprised of local kids uh, who all needed uh, a Catholic school education to help further uh, their you know uh, dreams and aspirations. Uh, but you know, having Coach Hurley as a, as a, as a driving force behind. Uh, the school was was was, was huge because uh, one he had the pedigree, the knowledge, and the connections to really change your life, um, and so that's what made it special to us. It was a bunch of Jersey City kids uh, all trying to better their situation, and you know you didn't have to go too far to do it. 
Uh, you just have to be willing to pay the price of, of, of starting over every day with Coach Early. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the experience like uh, playing for for such a legendary basketball coach? Uh, I, I mean, I got to go. I got to see Coach Hurley speak a, a few years ago. He came out here to Omaha for uh, for an engagement, and I mean, the guy can really be pretty mesmerizing when he gets into stuff. And uh, he's definitely Jersey City tough, you know. So, you know, what was it, what was that experience like playing for Coach Hurley, and 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 just. What are some of the things that he really helped you with, uh, as both as a basketball player and as a human being, to to make you the man that you are today? Well, I, I think when you, when you're in the moment, right, you're in a tunnel. You don't really you don't really know um, that you're playing for a legendary coach. Um, you just knew that he'd gone in a lot of respect, no matter where we were, uh, international or, or locally. Um, so it, it was really. Uh, weird because we just viewed him as Coach Hurley, but from outside looking in, you know, he was a guy that, you know, obviously was one of the you know, few people to ever make it to the Hall of Fame as a, as a high school coach. Um, but, you know, for, for some, from the lessons that I've learned that I carry with me to this day is just discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care what profession, what craft uh, that you're currently in, if you lack discipline, you, chances are you won't be, cons- you just won't be uh, successful. Um, and then the ability to start over every day because no two days are alike um, is something that at 17, uh, 16, 17, 18 years old, you really don't know. You just you know realize that, man, this coach is very, very demanding and he, he's really hard on us. But what he was instilling in us is the ability to, to be present, be where your feet are. Uh, and then the most important thing, like, if you did it again today, if you did it today, it doesn't mean it's going to happen for you tomorrow. You've got to be willing to start over with your discipline and and, and, and being accountable. Mm-hmm. We, we talked a little bit off air about the documentary, The the Street Stops Here. And and tell us about your involvement with it. We, like, I, like I told you, we, we, we reviewed it. I, I think it was Nate Wall that reviewed it with me. I can't, I can't remember for sure, but uh, we, uh, we did that in our film room series. Um, so again, kind of a, it's a small world after all here. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about that documentary and, and, you know, if, if folks are interested, uh, learning more about coach Hurley and, and the journey at, at St. Anthony's and, and everything that the, the program was about, uh, how would they be able to, to, to find a copy of it maybe on DVD or, or wherever it may be at? I'll give you, give you a chance to, to sell your wares here a little bit, coach Berno. <laughs> well, the document. Well, the, the story w- was compelling to me because obviously I lived it. But it was one, it was a random uh, afternoon. I'm watching MTV. It was a Saturday, and they had a TV show called Friday Night Lights. Yeah. And it was a rerun, and I watched the series, and I'm like, this is scripted. Um, I got something that is raw and uncut that is way more compelling uh, than a scripted television series. So I contacted a friend of mine, Jay Sharman who I met while I was at uh, DePaul University. He actually did a, a documentary on my freshman year. And we met up and, and started spitballing some ideas, and I knew the school was in financial hardship. And so all I asked is that, hey, if the funds has to go back to the school mm-hmm. to keep the doors open. And so I didn't know anything about you know documentaries or, or, or life rights or anything like that. I wanted to just try to help in any way I can, and so I just connected the dots. Um, and throughout the process, uh, when, when they got the green light to, to, to go ahead and, 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 and start uh, shooting, 
uh, it was a phenomenal year, not only for Teamworks and, and myself, but also for Coach Early and the St. Anthony Friars. They went on to win a national title mm-hmm. uh, that year. Uh, Mike Rosario, who I coached in college, grew up with his family. Tyshawn Taylor went to Kansas. Yep. Uh, it was an unbelievable story. And to have it captured and shown to the world uh, the, the realness of, of Coach Hurley and how much he truly means to not just the kids that he coaches, but just to the community yeah. uh, of Jersey City uh, was unbelievable for the world to get to see uh, just the daily grind of being a high school coach with high expectations, uh, but really dealing with inner city uh, issues that can derail not only any sports, but any family or any kid. So it was just a fascinating story to have told to the world. Mm-hmm. If, if folks want to check it out, where where could they possibly find a copy? Because it's kind of hard to find. Yeah, it is. I know it was uh, PBS um, uh, had them uh, for sale. And I want to say you can still try the, the Amazon. Uh, it's still being sold there. Um, so it, it, I would say PBS or Amazon, uh, you can still get your hands on a copy. Um, and, you know, it, it's it, obviously the funds still will go to the foundation uh, to help, you know, Jersey City kids. So um, that's that's one of the two places I, I think they could be found. Okay. And I encourage folks to check it out. Like I said, I, I think it was Nate Wall and I, we, we went we went through that one and, and had a great time talking about it. So uh, check it out. It's an absolutely awesome documentary. So, um, you know, we, we've talked a little about, about Coach Hurley Sr., uh, but but let's talk about some other people that you've worked with, uh, Rashawn. Uh, your your college coach Pat Kennedy. Uh, you played for him at DePaul. What what are some things that you took away? I, I you know he he was a, a pretty doggone good basketball coach uh, from the outside. Obviously, I never played for him, but uh, he had some really really nice teams at Florida State. He helped rebuild a DePaul program. You guys made it to the tournament while you were there. Uh, what are some things that you took away from Coach Kennedy as a player that you now use as as a coach yourself? Well, Coach was a little bit different than Coach Early. Uh, Coach Early, obviously, circumstances warranted he had to be a very, very hard-nosed, disciplinary uh, type coach because of the environment in which we were in. Coach Kennedy, I really understood um, that there's a different way to to try to get to success. Um, He was more of a player-friendly coach. Um, He really uh, had a pulse on the person um, and he was a phenomenal coach, but he just did it a different way. Uh, he, he wasn't very big on yelling and screaming at kids. He was more player-coach relationship-driven, uh, uh, but just the ability to really handle people um, is something I thought Coach Kennedy did a very good job with, uh, and he was an unbelievable connector. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from a recruiter standpoint, you know, I take a lot of his lessons uh, when you're going into a home because he was able to make everyone feel comfortable. Gotcha. Uh, how about Billy Donovan? Uh, you worked for him for three years at Florida. You guys had a heck of a run. That's right when, you know, everything, you know, coming off the heels of the back-to-back national championships. But you guys had a, a terrific run there. Uh, tell us about Coach Donovan and some of the things that you took from him. I learned how to coach. I learned how to take a uh, larger vantage point on how to run a program, um, how to invoke change in young men, um, how to how to mentally prepare your team to compete at a high level. Um, and, and Coach Donovan 
similar to Hurley, very, very successful in the space that they're in. Um, you know, Billy is one of my best friends as we speak. Um, he just hired my son uh, oh, wow. for a player development uh, position with the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's somebody that um, had a huge impo- impact on me just as a person. Uh, he's one of the best that ever do it because he's an unbelievable coach, but he's an unbelievable person. And he really, truly invests in the people that's around him, um, from players to coaches. Um, and so I, I really try to learn a lot from him in regards to how to get your guys in the right space mentally to go out and compete. Mm-hmm. And and the other Hurley in your life, well, I, I'm guessing Danny's probably there as well, but uh, you know Bob Hurley Jr. out at Arizona State, uh, you know, six years with him, five years as associate head coach. Uh, what, what are some things that you took from 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 Bob? Fierce competitor, yeah. uh, Coach Hurley is one of those guys um, that when you, he brings the best out of all of his guys. Um, he had an unbelievable ability to make you want to run through a wall for him, um, and he's a guy that yet again like uh, Coach Donovan, who had an NBA background. Bobby's bringing a player's perspective to coaches. Uh, very, very compassionate for his players. Uh, gives a lot of his guys freedom to express themselves on and off the court. Um, but he's one of the best, like Billy and like all the guys that I had a chance to work with and work for. Just really good, a really good human. Mm-hmm. And that goes a lot in his business. Um and Bobby's been Bobby early for a long time. Sure. With all the success he had as a player, um, he, he has no ego. Similar to Billy, they have no ego, and that's why I think they're very, very successful in their own rights. Mm-hmm. Well, Bobby, Bobby was famous in high school before Correct. the internet and all that other stuff. I and mean, that you know that's that's how I I remember. And I'm a year younger than Bobby. And I remember him when I was, I was like, oh, there's this guy from Jersey City that's supposed to be awesome. And he's going to Duke next year or something. And, and so, and that's pre-internet stuff. Again, a seasoned and experienced coach, seasoned and experienced. <laughs> but, uh, and he still, yeah, he still holds the NCAA assist record. Yeah. Uh, that's to this day. So he was a heck of a player, man. Yes, he was. He looks like, you know, watching him coach sometimes, he, he would, he would like to lace him up and go out there and still play a little bit, I think. And he looks yeah, like he, he could. He, you know, he still does. He'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll get in. He'll do a couple of suicides if if the speed is not to his liking. Uh, <laughs> but that's just that's just his natural competitive side. Uh-huh. Like Coach Hurley, like you get on a treadmill alongside of him, he's not getting off until you go. <laughs> uh, that just he's just one of those guys who he'll, he'll he's a fierce competitor, uh, and his teams exudes that. They embody his mentality, and that's the one thing I learned from Coach. Uh, differ from Coach Donovan, but both fierce competitors uh, will fight you tooth and nail for every inch of real estate in that court. Yep. Um, let's talk about your team coming into this this upcoming season here. You're, you're opening up in a couple of weeks. Uh, l- let's talk about this early season because uh, obviously all of us are stepping into the early season uh, mm-hmm. par- part of things here. Uh, so so let's talk about your exhibition game. You got Illinois Westland coming up next week, I think. And, uh, you know, so, so as the head coach, uh, it's an exhibition game. Uh, you're, you're playing in a, 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 a quote unquote lesser opponent. You're playing a, a, a team that's down a level or two from your team. 
but what are you looking to get out of that exhibition game? How do you evaluate evaluate your exhibition game? In the same way, like us as high school coaches, we have our jamboree games, um, and a lot of people, you know, everybody kind of handles it a little bit differently. How do you plan on handling your exhibition game with player rotation minutes? What are you looking for? How deep are you going to go into your bench? Just kind of how, how do you and your staff expect to, to, to execute uh, your, your, your plan for that evening? Well, we, we want to be competitive, right? You know, anytime you lace them up, um, it's like boxing. Anything can happen on any night. Yep. Um, and so we, we go in with the mindset of we want to play our best version of uh, basketball on, on both ends of the floor. Um, we definitely want to play clean. Um, and I tell my guys I want to see new mistakes, right? Because we've now been going, you know, you have the new rules, 30 practices in 42 days, right? You want to make sure that your guys are advancing um, with decisions, um, you know, effort. And so we, we, we judge it on that, on that from that uh, standpoint. Obviously, points and, 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 and wins will take care of itself. But we really want to see these guys take the step in the right direction. But we always want to compete at a high level uh, and play clean. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously, Wesley, they're going to put on a challenge. They're going to try to win. Our job is to make sure that we go out and we, we try to put back forth the effort that's going to put us in a positive light going into the regular season. Uh, rotation, we're going to try to get. We're a deep team, uh, more so than my first two years. So we're going to try to get into our bench and allow guys to, to, to try to get some rhythm and see what different lineups match and work well. Uh, but we're going in with the mindset of playing hard for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, how much How much do you show? You know, you've been, obviously, I'm sure you guys have been putting in sets, whether it's man-to-man sets, zone sets, baseline, sideline stuff, all the different different looks defensively. Uh, what's the fine line between, hey, we got to get some game reps to work on some of these things that we know we're going to use, but we don't want to show too much because, obviously, this is going to be on film and the regular season is going to be rolling around here pretty soon. There's, there's definitely some gamemanship that goes into this yeah. into these games. Um, you know, we, we want to work on things. You know, obviously, uh, that we, we've covered for the last couple of weeks, but we're, we want to go out and play. You know, we want these guys uh, to play uh, free, loose, um, show some things, but we're not going to throw the kitchen sink at them because I don't want to. We're not there yet. Yep. Um, obviously, we have you know some really good opponents coming up, so we less is best. Um, we want to. My, my number one concern is how well do we compete? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. what are we doing from a comp- competitive standpoint and effort? Those are the measuring sticks in these non-conference, in these uh, exhibition games for us. Yep. Um, so then you step into the opener here. Um, you got Marquette. Uh, who, who's responsible for that one? <laughs> it's one of these mid-major games where you got to have bye games. And, uh, and, and Shaka being in the Billy Donovan family, you would think he would take it easy on us. You know, as a mid-major one-bit league, you know, you want to put yourselves in a position where you're challenging yourself early Absolutely. and often. Um, and so Marquette presents a, a unique challenge, obviously because of who they are. And But, you know, I got a lot of lot of uh, tough-minded young men in that locker room who uh, are not easily scared mm-hmm. by name and recognition. Um, you know, that's just a Jersey City mentality in myself uh, and my staff and some of the players that we have in a locker room. We're going to compete uh, no matter who you are, where you are. Yep. Uh, game is played, you know, 94 feet. Let's lace up. Let's see, let's see who's the best team. Yep. Well, you, you can't beat Marquette unless you play Marquette, you know, and, that, and that's, just, this is the, the way it is. 
you know, you're uh, you're talking about scheduling. You're you're a one bid league. Uh, I know. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I know you have Iowa in there somewhere uh, towards the end of yes. your non conference. Uh, a couple other ones there. Uh, you know how how important as you're trying to build your program up. Nine wins the first year, thirteen last year. Hopefully, taking a, a big leap this year in year three. Uh, but how important is that scheduling component to you? Where obviously you got to challenge yourself. You're gonna you're gonna go on the road and you're gonna play some really good teams, high level teams, power five teams. But also you want to get yourself ready for uh, for your conference play and put your team in the best situation that you can so that they're ready to go there. What's what's kind of the the art along with the science of scheduling in, in a situation that you're in there where you're trying to to get this the program going uh, another step in the in the right direction. You took the words right out of my mouth. You're one of the few people who I've ever heard reference scheduling as a science because it is, oh, in my opinion. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, you, you, and, and you have to throw finances involved when you're a mid-major player um, uh, because we have to fund uh, our program through some of these buy games, but you also have to balance it out because you don't want to get too many buy games where you lose your team in December. Yep. Right. Yep. And so, um, yeah, we, we want, and we're in a different space than, than I was when I first took over, um, and with the help of the administration. So we, we want to be competitive. Um, and, 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 but we also want to be in games where we have, you know, obviously, uh, you've playing like opponents, um, uh, because it matters. It matters to the locker room. It matters to the fan base. Uh, it matters to the, to, to the future of the program and, and future recruits. And so this year, we really wanted to find a balance of uh, some high majors. Um, location of where the high majors are yep. is important as well uh, due to travel, et cetera, et cetera. But we wanted to have competitive-like uh, opponents, and but also guys like a Marquette, Northwestern, uh, and Iowa uh, teams that uh, are, are really good, well-coached teams that play a different style of play mm-hmm. uh, because the Mac, you're going you're gonna to face some of the best coaches in, in mid-major basketball with, with Coach K at Toledo, uh, Kent State, Akron. Uh, those guys do a phenomenal job. Ball State, uh, Mike has done a phenomenal job his first year down there. So it's, it's a really top-to-bottom good league. And so mm-hmm. you want to really, you really want to make sure you're going in on a strong note versus limping into it because there's no easy outs when you get into Mac play. Yep. Yep. Um, let's wrap up here, coach. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, pressing and pressing style. You, you, you're, you're, uh, you've said that you've, you want to get out, you want to put pressure on the ball. You want to play 94 by 50. Um, uh, kind of talk about some of your influences there. Uh, what you like to do, uh, Pressure-wise, is it is it a zone pressure? Is it a man pressure? How do you implement that attitude with your team? Maybe if you've got a a, a favorite drill or two that you like to run to to, to develop your pressure, uh, let's uh, let's land the plane here. Uh, and I, again, I really appreciate your time that you're giving me here this evening. But let's land the plane here with with kind of your pressing philosophy and some of the stuff that you guys like to do there at Northern Illinois. Yeah, we want to be very very disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe if we can get into your legs. Uh, going in the second half, that bodes well for us. Uh, we never wanted to give anyone a steady diet of one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we train really, really hard uh, with, with our conditioning. Um, I'm a man-to-man uh, pressure defense uh, coach. Um, we will sprink, sprinkle in some some uh, one two two back to two or some two two one back to two. Uh, but primarily, 
we're gonna we're gonna go our white defense, which is a man to man press. We'll trap. Uh, we'll turn guys, speed them up, trapping certain dead spots of the floor. But primarily, we want to take you out of rhythm and keep you off balance. Um, that's how we were in high school. Uh, we played, you know, we played nothing but face to face guard, man to man, crushing you uh, for 32 minutes with Coach Donovan um, at UF. We played more, uh, you know, on dead ball situations. We wanted to disrupt you, get you playing fast, but speed up the tempo. Because uh, chances are you're not practicing that way consistently. Yeah. And so if we we can take your practice time away, we, we truly believe it gives us an advantage. Um, and then obviously we want to get into your legs. Um, we'll make you up a couple of layups early, some open jump shots early. But once we get into your legs going into the second half, those shots aren't falling. And and so that's that's our mindset. But we really do a ton of uh, uh, four four four, which is four on four, four, which is you know. Three teams of fours uh, going full court. Uh, we'll do it off a dead ball. We'll do it off a uh, uh, makes. Uh, we really try to be really, really disruptive to your flow of practice uh, and your game planning. Um, and I think, you know, if we can do that consistently, uh, I think it'll bode well for us, especially with this year's depth uh, that we have coming in. Uh, so we're excited about how, how it's going to uh, help us, especially when we get into conference play. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff, Coach. Uh, if uh, if folks want to know more about you, want to know about more about your program, uh, how can they find out about it? Well, always go to Husky Athletics. Um, you can go at Coach Berno eleven on Instagram and Twitter, um, and my email is rberno at niu.edu. Um, I welcome all high school coaches. I was a high school coach in Aurora, Illinois, at a private school, so I'm a student of the game. Um, I've always wanted to give back, so anything that needed from practice drills uh, or even just conversations about what it's like to be a collegiate coach and how to get to the next level if you're a high school coach, if that's your dreams and aspirations, uh, please give us a call. Great stuff, Coach. Really appreciate it. Uh, again, I know tonight's a crazy night. You had, what was it, Husky Hoops before this or something like that? Husky Husky madness. Husky madness. Sorry, it was uh, it was sheer madness uh, before this. So I, I know it's been a long day. Uh, so I really appreciate your time and, and and thanks so much. Thank you. Be well. Yep. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. We're back with the second half of our podcast here this week. It is kind of uh, the week of mid-major coaches from, let's see, up northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin here. Really excited to have Bart Lundy, the head men's basketball coach at Wisconsin-Milwaukee on the podcast as the the second half, the companion piece uh, to Rashawn Berno from northern Illinois. Coach, I want to thank you for your time this evening. Really appreciate you taking time out of uh, what I know is a really, really busy schedule as you're ramping up and and getting ready to go for the season here. Oh, my pleasure, Marty. Thanks for having me. And, and, uh, you know, I know uh, they got the best part in the first half, so hopefully they don't (laughs) turn it off on us, uh, you know, for the second half. See what happens. I I think both halves will be equally 
uh, tremendous. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tow that line right there, Bart. How's that? That's <laughs> very kind of you. Yeah, it's very kind. Of you. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of pick up here. Uh, you know, just give us a little bit about yourself, Bart. How did you end up in 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 Milwaukee and and, and coaching at Wisconsin Milwaukee? Oh, the short answer is uh, I answered my phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, wasn't really looking. Yeah, I wasn't really looking for a job and. Uh, you know, like most coaches, I get the notifications from uh, what used to be Twitter, and uh, I think um, uh, I think it was a game day um, uh, two years ago in, in the NCAA tournament for us. And I uh, I usually take a, a game day nap, um, and and I was just waking up from that nap, and I saw the the. Uh, you know, notification come across that, you know, the Milwaukee's coach had been let go. And uh, as I'm looking at that, literally the, my phone rings and it's a search firm. And before I knew it, I was on the phone with the AD and um, one thing led to another. And here I am in, in Milwaukee for the second time in my, in my career. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hap- happens fast, happens fast, but uh, it's been, it's been a blessing. You, uh, I'm imagining that's not the first time that somebody had reached out to you in some way, shape, or form, whether it was for a head coaching job or maybe a power five assistance job, whatever the situation may be. Uh, what, what was different about the situation at Wisconsin, Milwaukee than, than perhaps other, uh, folks that may have reached out or contacted you, uh, during, you know, in the last few years here? Well, you know, Marty, you know, with everything in life, timing is, is kind of everything. And, uh, you know, for, for family reasons, um, I had uh, needed and wanted to be back in the Carolinas. And, uh, and you know, that was part of my journey and going back to Queens. So mm-hmm. I was a coach actually at Queens twice. Um, yep. So I guess I, I didn't make them too mad when I left the first time and <laughs> they hired me back. So that was good. Um, but, uh, you know, my, uh, I've got, I've got a blended family and five kids and, uh, my older ones, I have a nine year old, but my older ones, um, my, my last one was a, a senior and, uh, you know, I'd kind of not, not made any moves for uh, a good long time. So there's, there was some stability for those guys and, and, uh, my, my sons and the, the opportunities that had come, um, I had looked at a few and, you know, just wasn't right. Whatever might've been right for, for me personally, wasn't right for the family. So, uh, when, when this one came up, um, you know, it, you know, all the stars kind of aligned and, um, you know, my, my son, who's the last one to, to go to college before my nine-year-old, he, uh, he said, dad, you know, you sacrificed for us, you know, you, you, you know, go ahead and, and do this as, if it's what you want to do. So he kind of gave his blessing to it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's not anything about the, uh, facilities or the, or the, uh, you know, scholarships or the budget or the league. It's just, you know, family situations, uh, which, you know, take precedent. Mm-hmm. You, uh, it, it's not your first foray into the Division One level. Uh, you, like you said, you were at Queens, and then you went to High Point, and you were there for about five or six years, Division One level, and then you went back to the Division Two level, back to Queens, and now you're again back at the Division One level. Um, for, for folks that might not know, what are some of the the big 
similarities and what are some of the the, the differences between the the quote unquote division one level and the division two level yeah um you, you know i think people would be shocked to to hear that there, there's not a lot uh-huh. um you know, when you get into the top 50 teams in the country, um, in the power five conferences and the, and the very, very top mid-major programs, uh, there, there's a difference in size and athleticism, uh, especially the size. Uh, but when you get, when you get out of that, uh, top 50 realm, uh, especially you get to the bottom, the bottom half of division one and then, you know, the division two teams, there really, there really isn't a lot of difference. Um, I think I think uh, Pace beat St. John's today. So wow, um, you know this the the um, the guard play is is very similar. Um, Division two is a little faster uh, because the, you know there's there's a bit of a size difference inside. I think, um, but you know ball ball is ball. Mm. You know it's it, it really is, and and uh, some of the best coaches um, that that I have ever coached against. Uh, haven't been at the division one level you know they've been guys that are that are d2 d3 guys and um you know man you you could put those guys in any job anywhere in the country and they'd be just fine Mm -hmm. what uh what did you take with you and, and what did you learn from your first division one stretch that at high point that helped you when you came back to queen's and then now taking another crack at it at the at the Division One level there at Wisconsin Milwaukee, um, is is there is there much of a difference there? Is there anything that you learn from those? If if there's not, go ahead and say you know, hey, it's just whatever it may be. But but uh, yeah, you know, just kind of are you are you looking at things a little bit differently with this second crack at it at the Division One level? Oh, oh yeah, you know it's. Uh... So I was I was 31 when I got that high point job. Mm-hmm. I was 25 when I first got my uh, first head coaching job at Queens, which was Division Two. Mm-hmm. So you know I was just a, I was just a baby. I didn't I, you know I didn't know I didn't know when I was making mistakes, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> um, and um, you, you know I know you're going to ask about working for for Buzz Williams. Um, you know uh, as this goes along, but. I'll, I'll blend this, uh, this answer, if you don't mind. Hey, do what you want to um, do, man. Yeah. But, you know, when I was, when I was young, I thought it was just about, it was just about coaching ball and, you know, you, you coach them, recruit good players, coach them, win games. That's what it's all about, you know, and everything else will take care of itself. And, uh, along with lots of other things, one of the things that, that Buzz was really good at that I had no, um, you know, I had no idea about was just being able to um, to to craft your message and to control the the narrative coming out of your program, mm-hmm. and and he is you know he's an absolute master at it. And at the time that I was you know first at High Point, um, you know that's when the message boards and social media and everything was just starting to to take hold and. Um, you know, I was pretty, pretty naive and pretty oblivious to all that. And, you know, you do have to win and you gotta, you know, you gotta do things, but, um, yeah, I didn't know how to handle alumni. I didn't know how to handle administration, um, just media. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. Um, other than just coaching basketball, especially now, you know, and it gets more every year, I think. Sure. 
Um, but but those lessons, and, and as far as basketball, like I, I look back some of those uh, high point practice plans, and hey, I'm just a completely different coach now. Mm-hmm. You know, just in what way? Um, oh, in every way. You know, just uh, just evolution. I mean, you know, I. I um, uh, I feel bad for those young coaches who get their first head coaching job and, and they're young and they, you know, they're kind of thrown to the wolves, which I, you know, I was kind of thrown to the wolves a little bit and uh, it's great experience, but, uh, and you got to go through some fire to really figure out who you are as a coach and who, you know, who you can become. And, you know, now when I take, when I really, when I took Queens the second time and, and now when I take Milwaukee, I, I would say I, I probably don't even recognize that 31 year old coach. Uh, maybe just because I'm old now, I don't know. But um, <laughs> seasoned inexperienced you know, is recognized. what we say here, Coach. Seasoned inexperienced. We don't. Season, that's it. That's we, it. We I, don't, get, I get this. I get this mental picture of uh, some movie. I can't remember the movie where the guy's throwing uh, some seasoning under his arms. No. <laughs> um, no, I, I. You know, it's kind of ironic that you said that a, a few weeks ago. I was with. Uh, one of my former players and just near and dear to my heart and she's a great kid and and we were talking about you know kind of the the good old days and 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 I told her I said you know I I look at the way that I coach now I look at what I know now and man do I wish I could go back and re-coach those teams differently and we were really really successful I mean we were state tournament successful but I, I feel like just the whole the whole gamut of things yeah how you schedule practices how i communicate with players how how just just from top to bottom and and again if if you didn't evolve you'd be a moron you'd be an idiot if you didn't but um i i think that's one of the things that when we get into this profession we really underestimate that there is a process of us growing and getting better at what we do, just like just like the players, you know, you you and you got to you got to experience some failure before you experience some success, and 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 sometimes you don't know what you don't know either. Like you were talking about with administration and 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 dealing with the uh, the internet type of stuff. So um, yeah, there's a great uh, there's a great piece. Uh, George Ravling, you, you probably know as the oh yeah the daily the daily coach. Yep, he had a, he had a great. Um, uh, he had a great uh, one of his segments that came out this week, just about just about getting older and and um, you know how to how to embrace it and and it really was about you know you you have to realize that uh, you know when you're young you you may have energy and you, you may have some other things going for you but uh, you you don't know you don't know everything and and uh, as you get older you know you you've learned and you've been able to to sharpen your tools and. Uh, it was it was really good. It, uh, you know, it, gives, mm-hmm. it, gave, it gave me some peace about you know as as the the scary part of this profession is you know I'm I keep saying I'm old I'm really not old but um, it's it's a pretty much a young man's profession and uh, as you as you become an older coach I think you become more vulnerable and, da- and it's dangerous mm-hmm. um, and you have to continually evolve with what's happening in your surroundings what's happening on the court what's happening you know, outside the court in your profession. And, um, you know, his, his, uh, his little, his little segment this week, uh, I thought was really on point. So yeah. folks should look that up. How, how do you, how do you fight that Bart? How do, how do you, how do you keep finding that energy to stay on top of those things? Cause I, I, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I think a lot of people right. go, Oh, I was just gonna say a lot of people go through that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I've, uh, I get, I get, 
you know, the, the privilege of speaking to companies from time to time and um, I had two back to back this summer and they both wanted the same thing things. They wanted to know how do you how do you retain and and uh, and and coach this generation and then how do you fight burnout? How do you how do you fight uh, you know, doing the same thing over and over year after year? And uh, to me, to me, the thing about it is, you first you got to love what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, I, I've always heard you got to have an exit strategy. Well, I don't have an exit strategy. I don't have a parachute. You know, it's uh, <laughs> I, this is what I am. This is uh, this is who I am. And uh, I'm sure I'd, I'd figure it out if I had to. But uh, I do love what I do, and and uh, as I'm sure you do. And, mm-hmm. And then uh, I think coaches look at it in two different ways. Uh, there are some some guys that that I see in my generation, and they say, "This is how I've always done it. It's worked. Yep. I'm gonna stay with it." And sometimes that does work. Yep. Um, to me, to me, I want to I want to constantly be on the edge. I want to I want to evolve daily. Um, you know, when everybody talks about being a a lifelong learner, well, I want to be a lifelong learner in, in basketball. You know, I want to. I want to know when, you know, somebody's running something new. I want to know what's going on in Europe. I want to know what's going on, um, you know, with, uh, you know, the best recruiters. You know, I might not be the best recruiter, but I want to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, what are they, how are they getting in the door? What are they, what are they sending the kids? What are their, you know, what's their social media look like? Um, so I think that that curiosity, um, you know, and trying to stay, uh, tell myself all the time, stay on the edge, stay on the edge. Um, and not in a bad way, not in a pressure way, just be better than you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. Have you seen on the, the daily coach, the last three Saturdays with the Riley interviews? Yeah, I didn't see the first two, but I read the one this, uh, yesterday. Yeah. I read the one yesterday, which was, was awesome. Oh, but I didn't see the first two. Great stuff. Yeah. I, I think they had it on the link in the email one, uh, that you could go back to part one and part two. I mean, it's, absolute gold and and i know i retweet a lot of stuff from the daily coach and or i kind of summarize it and do some you know creative editing so i can fit it all into one tweet uh but if you're not if you're not subscribing to the daily coach on your email i cannot encourage you any more so any louder than i am right now uh to to do so because i think it's just an outstanding resource whether, whether you're a businessman you're a basketball coach you're a volleyball coach you're, you're a parent there, there, there's so many things that you can mine from that and, and i think that uh mike lombardi and george raveling have done a great job with that concept that they started a couple of years ago i just absolutely love it yeah it, it is uh it is something i try to read every day and uh, you know along those lines you know he was talking about spolstra and uh, i i you should have put in there business people and athletic directors because I think what the Heat have figured out is is just continuity, yeah. you know. And, you know, giving coaches a chance, giving staffs a chance. Um, it was good for me to read because give give kids a chance. You know, you never know. You know, kids go through hard times, and you know we're we're quick as coaches to to you know to try to go get the next player. And sometimes the next player that you need is right there with you. You just gotta gotta cultivate them a little more. Yep. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. 
Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Coach, you, you, you'd mentioned Coach Williams, um, Coach Buzz, uh, and you were fortunate enough to be his assistant for, was it three years, I believe? Three years. Three mm-hmm. years, yeah. And you kind of mentioned some of his influence. Is there anything else you want to talk about with Coach Williams and just what he's meant to your career? Yeah, you know, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite sayings is, uh, you know, when you go up, you better plant flowers because when you come down, you're going to have to pick them. <laughs> and, you know, so, so at some point uh, I had planted some seeds with, uh, with uh, Buzz and um, we really didn't know each other that well. But uh, at a time that I needed a job, you know, uh, uh, nine months before I got fired at High Point, they offered me the first multi, I'd been year to year and everybody at the university. So they offered me the first multi-year contract in school history. The president didn't even have one. Uh-huh. And, um, and, you know, I had an agent at the time and I was, uh, you know, thought I was Pat Riley and, uh, they redlined the contract and they sent it back to the president and the AD and the president got mad and never got the contract. Well, my AD gets fired and get a new AD and, nine months later I'm fired. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then you're, you're going, okay, what do you, what do you do next? And, and, uh, you know, buzz was, I was fortunate enough to get a job with buzz and, uh, really did change my career because, um, he's so different than I was. Uh, yeah, I was just a straight ball coach and, you know, didn't like we've talked about it. Didn't worry about all the other stuff. And buzz is, um, a master at every, everything else, mm-hmm. you know, not that he's not a great coach, but he's a master at everything else. Yep. And, you know, he, um, I got to see how he, uh, coached the players hard, but how he was, you know, what you don't see on the backside with buzz is he's texting them in at night. He's writing them letters. You know, he's, I mean, he really is his organization. Um, you know, he, he's got these calendars. He can go back. He can go back 10 years and tell you what he was doing 10 years ago on the day, on this day, 10 years ago. I mean, it really is amazing. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it like that. But, um, you know, his, his organization and his, uh, um, you know, his ability, especially to deal with people and players, um, had a huge impact on me. And then, you know, just being in that league, um, it, and I don't, I don't want to get Marquette in trouble, but I was, I was the director of ops, but all I did was basketball. All I did was, was coach and scout. And I didn't have any recruiting responsibilities uh-huh. and I didn't do it. And I didn't do any travel plans. Uh-huh. Um, and so, uh, it was three years of really just, you know, at that time in that league, it was a hall of fame coach every night uh-huh. and just learning and seeing and growing for those three years for me was, I mean, it was gold. It was really gold. Well, and you had a couple dudes uh, as well, yeah. you know, you know, uh, Jay Crowder, and then of course probably the best player was was Jimmy Butler. And, and what was it like just watching those guys grow on a daily basis? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's astounding. It's astounding to see where those guys uh, have gotten to, especially Jimmy. I mean, uh, when I got when I got to Marquette, you know, Jimmy was a, just a backup, and uh, he was there the year before, but. You know, there were times the year before where they didn't think he was even going to make it. Wow. And, yeah, and he, you know, he was just a defensive player and a rebounder. And, 
Um, you know, he when I would say when I when I got there, he was just starting to really embrace the work. Uh-huh. And uh, to, to to tell you how good Buzz is, I don't think, and, and Jimmy deserves all the credit for for where he's at. But uh, I don't think without a Buzz Williams, there's not a Jimmy Butler. Um, just how how hard Buzz pushes them, how he teaches them to work, the consistency, the the message of you know the daily effort and doing it, being an everyday guy. Um, you know, Jimmy embraced that, and you know he just got better and better and better. And you know, look at him now; he's just amazing. Yep. Let's uh, let's talk about your current situation. You know, going into your second year. Uh, first year, you know, Milwaukee had a nice run. Bruce Pearl did a great job with the program, um, you know, a while ago, but, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's had, it's had its runs and, uh, you come in, uh, the program had struggled for a while, uh, 12 win improvement in, in year one. And, and most notably with 13 different guys that were on the roster from the year before, uh, you know, what, what. Other than hey, we had guys that made shots. I mean, I, I get that. But but what was, what were some of the things that you did as as a head coach and and as your staff uh, to put together this this group, and, in such short order and get everybody to buy into their roles, to give themselves up for the team, uh, to, to to create a a culture to where you can make that big of a jump in that short amount of time. Yeah, you know it was. Uh... Um, it was it was a whirlwind. First of all, uh, I brought one staff member with me. Uh, my my assistant um, associate head coach at Queens, Grant Leonard, uh, was fortunate enough to get the job at Queens when I left, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. So I didn't bring I didn't get a chance to bring any of the players. There were a couple that I might have <laughs> tried to pick off, yeah, um, and bring with me. Um, so so one staff member, no players. Um, really, we only there were, there were only two. A couple of those thirteen were walk-ons, um, but really there were only two scholarship players that, that stayed around. Uh, most of the team was either already leaving or in the portal when I got the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the first thing I did is I tried to hire staff of of really good men. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't want to necessarily get player chasers and. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted really good men, really good guys, really good basketball guys, um, guys that were in it for the right reasons. Uh, and, I, and I feel like we accomplished that. Uh, and, and with that staff, um, going back to George Raveling, um, Coach Rav, um, you know, would come to Marquette and he'd do these little clinics with us, uh, with our staff. And uh, one of the things he pulled out one day was um, – just a, a roster makeup and he had his where he had uh, you know everybody needs a point guard and a center and a shooting guard and all that but w- what are the attributes that you want you know in in that roster mm-hmm. you know you need an energy guy you need you need balance with you know if you got a guy that's not great academically you better balance him with a guy that's pretty good academically mm-hmm. um you know or, or two two guys that are good academically Yep. So uh, I've really, I've really taken that, um, you know, to heart in building the roster. And you know, we we play a certain style, a specific style. Uh, we guard ninety four feet, man to man. We shoot a lot of threes, and so so I kind of know what we're looking for. And then 
to me, there's a lot of there's a lot of character pieces and balance that you need in your roster, and um, you know we were we weren't able to accomplish all of that, but enough. And then mm-hmm. and then those guys really, it was amazing to watch. They developed such good chemistry really before off the floor, before on the floor, and um, and then we just worked. You know, we didn't we didn't anticipate anything going well or bad. We just worked mm-hmm. and. Uh, let it fall where it is, where it would fall. And I think we played UC Davis uh, in our own MTE. We hit a buzzer beater. And uh, from that point on, I thought we had some buy-in and belief. And, you know, we had a good year. We didn't have a great year, but we had a good year. Mm-hmm. What are you, how are you feeling about year two? All about the same, Marty. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, fal- the fallacy of it, uh, you know, that, that us coaches know is that every team is different. And just because you were pretty good last year and you got some pieces back doesn't make you good this year. How, um, how do you guard against that? How do you, you know, and again, that's that's a, another great question for a lot of us is, you know, well, this happened last year. And a lot of times it's it's the players that have a hard time getting over well this is what happened last year whether it was my playing time or my performance or whatever that may be but sometimes even coaches get into well we've got four starters back we should we should be here and here it's like no you got to you got to reinvent it and again i think that's kind of one of those things that you you just learn by being seasoned and experienced that you know you have to reinvent it every year essentially don't you think bart yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and uh, and we're in danger of that now. I, I I worry about it every day that you know our returners take it for granted that you know we're just going to roll in and be good. Well, that team last year had a chip on its shoulder. You know, it got picked ninth in the in the preseason. You know, in our league, and you know every time something would happen, I'd say don't don't forget they picked you guys ninth, and um, so we don't have that this year. That you know. We're, uh, a lot of some people picked us second. Some people picked us first. I don't think I've seen us lower than third. And um, so, you know, it's easy to say, well, that's just going to happen. But uh-huh. uh, that's not how it is. So we, we have a um, every year we have a slogan um, and, it, and it always has something to do with um, doing today. Right. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we 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 talk about stacking good days together and you know worrying about doing today and not worry about the what happened in the past and what happens in the future we'll do today right and, um so uh, i won't give you the whole slogan but it's got a big one in it and inside the number n- number one is o n e and then at the bottom it says two four eight and um, nobody outside of our team until we do this podcast knows what that means, the two and the four and the eight. Okay. But we came in we came in second. So I'm going to spill the beans here. We came okay. in second in the league, um, a game out of first in the regular season. Uh-huh. We lost in the semifinals of the conference tournament. So we came in fourth. And then we went to the CBI and won a game, lost in the second round to Charlotte, and came in eighth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, people are always patting us on the back. Oh, you know, you guys won 22 games. You did this, you did that. And, you know, it's always right there on our practice gear or our, our sweatshirts. And all you got to do is look down and go, no, we came in second, fourth, and eighth. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be second, fourth, fourth, and eighth. We want to we do a little better than that. So mm-hmm. you just do what you can do to, to try to try to motivate them and, you know, keep them grounded um, and, uh, and then, 
you know, work every day. Bart, you're making me feel like uh, the Walter Cronkite of uh, basketball coaching podcast here. I'm breaking some news here. This is, uh, ah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I might be on, the, I might be on the scroll of uh, ESPN here or something like that. This is you're you're making me feel salty here today, buddy. I appreciate that. So. Yeah, I know what really happened is everybody just tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Oh, well, hey, let's uh, let's transition there. Let's transition. Let's uh, let's go into our John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, Coach Lundy, uh, every week uh, we, we take a, a quote or a passage from Wooden's book, A Lifetime of Observations, and I, I pick it out for my guest. I read it and we and then you know give you the first crack at it to 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 talk about it and and we just kind of break it down a little bit here so uh coach lundy are you ready for the john wooden quote of the day Uh, i'm not sure but i'll try okay all right the john wooden quote of the day from page 31 of wooden a lifetime of observations is people like to help to be polite to be considerate i believe it's basic human nature and it's a funny thing When you start displaying courtesy, politeness, and consideration, people start displaying that right back. Great stuff to build a program on. It is is really good. So I'm taking the first crack at this? You are. So so I moved here from the South to the Midwest. So I I agree with everything that that he says. I think, you know, um, I just saw a thing with Buzz where he said we need less sugar and more salt. I'm not sure we don't need more sugar in the real world. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, so when you get to the Midwest, uh, when I when I grew up uh, in rural Virginia, I'd ride in the, the pickup truck with my grandfather, and he would wave at everyone that passed by in the other car, mm-hmm. you know, in, our, in the little town. And I would say, uh, do you know them? And he'd say, no. And he'd just continue to wave at every, everyone uh, that, that drove by. Uh, so in the South, you, everyone speaks and smiles at you. And then you turn around and they talk bad about you. Um, <laughs> in the Midwest, they don't, they don't speak to you when you walk by and they don't wave to you. But uh, if they do have something to tell you, they do tell it straight to your face. But uh, I think our world could use a lot more of what of what Coach Wooden was saying. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, it's what's the you know what you know if if you you know what goes around comes around, and if you're good to people, then people are going to be good to you. Um, and and I think that you know it's it's it. What did I I saw something? It doesn't cost anything to be nice to someone. Or, or something along those lines. That, that was the quote, and and that's one that's been kind of sticking in in the back of my mind here lately. Is you know just go out 
go out, be good people. You know, when you're selling your program, you know, and coach, I'm sure you experience this uh, to the nth degree much more than I do. Uh, but but every once in a while, I'll be at uh, you know the, the grocery store, even in even in Omaha here, and somebody from Fort Calhoun will be like, "Hey, you're the you're the girls coach up at Fort Calhoun." Blah blah blah. I'm like. Never seen this person in my life, but hey, how are you doing? Hey, nice to meet you. What's your name? You know, that type of thing. Or, and, you know, you're, you're always selling your program. You're always selling yourself. And I always tell my students, uh, you know, there is such a thing as a first impression. And, you know, the, the, psychology, the, the psychology of it is, you know, within seven to ten seconds after somebody meets you, they've categorized you in some way, shape, or form in their brain. Oh, you know, Bart Lundy reminds me of blank and then you have an immediate association right away and and i always tell my students you know uh, it, it is really true you never get a second chance to make a, a first impression so be polite be considerate do good things for other people and, and it's and, and it will come back to you it will it will help you out because then it's it's a lot harder to speak of ill will of you if you're good to other people yeah i agree completely and and the other thing is, as you move through this profession, you get to the point where, you know, the wins and losses uh, are what they are, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you, you try to you try to, to win to win enough games to stay employed. And um, but the significance of, of the position uh, for me is, you know, how do I change my community? How do mm-hmm. how do I leave it better than I found it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we 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 spend a lot of time. Um, Milwaukee has um, has uh, a lot of youth here that uh, need help, and, uh, and a lot of uh, minority youth that especially need help. So we we spend a lot of time um, creating partnerships and and trying to get uh, kids on. We're, we're the city school, and these kids have access to work to this university, and so we're trying to make a difference. And you know, just coming into a meeting and smiling. Yep. Uh, I tell our players like when somebody's talking to you nod your head yes and and be an active listener and those little things make all the difference in how people view you and and what they'll you know they'll 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 pretty much give you whatever you need if you're just polite yep well hey coach let's get into your philosophy here let's jump into your basketball uh what you guys are doing there with the panthers uh yeah panthers correct Correct. Yeah, I got to yeah. make sure I get my mascots correct here. So, uh, <laughs> let's uh, we we haven't talked about this for a while. Let's let's talk about your your pregame and and postgame. You know, how do you get your team ready before a game, a typical game? And I I get it. Every game's a little bit different. Uh, but what's your usual kind of uh, day of uh, routine? Uh, what are you know maybe if it's, let's say it's a Saturday and you're having a shoot around, so you're playing. Uh, you're playing at two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, what's kind of your routine? How do you get your kids ready to go at the at the highest level that you possibly can? Uh, how do you handle your pregame locker room? Uh, and, and then maybe talk a little bit maybe about your halftime and maybe talk a little bit about your postgame and, and what you do there as well. Sure, you know that nothing uh, nothing very uh, earth shattering for for um, the Panthers. Mm-hmm. We're uh, you know we go into shoot around, and what I want to do is I want to address rehearsal of everything that you're going to possibly see in that game. Mm-hmm. So um, you know we're going to go through all our offensive and defensive systems. Um, uh, we do we do come in and um, we have what we call a, a talking shell. Uh, and every shell drill should be talking, but 
this is not full speed and we go through all the actions we're going to have to guard and the coaches aren't allowed to talk. And usually we start with this even before dynamic warm-up. Um, so they they talk through the all the actions um, with, you know, scout team and or we rotate and we go through all the actions um you know, almost like a, almost like a dance. Uh-huh. And, uh, but they're talking, you know, if they don't have five voices, then we do it again. We do it again. We do it again. Um, we, we call practice groundhog day. So we pretty much do the same thing every single day, uh-huh. uh, with a little, little variance. So there's always a zigzag in there. Uh, uh we, we, we're either going to zigzag live with the ball or zigzag, you know, just, just with our feet. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna shoot a little bit and do skill development because I think every day you don't get skill development is a day you've lost um, for your guys, and uh, so we're gonna do skill development and then you know get them off their feet. Uh, we eat uh, four hours before the game. Um, you know, we we play in a downtown arena, um, the Mecca. So the Mecca, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's part of the reason I took the job. The Mecca. That's awesome. Yeah, amazing, you... amazing place. Yeah, but uh, we don't go down there for shoot arounds. Um, you know, we we'll practice there the day before, but uh-huh. I don't want our guys to have to spend any more energy. I don't want to drive down, you know, fifteen twenty minutes to downtown and fifteen twenty minutes back to campus. So we shoot on campus. Um, uh, I don't. I, we don't have a sit-down pregame meal because I think it takes their energy. Um, you know, we take enough of their time. I want their. I want them to be excited when the game gets there. So everything is fast and efficient. Um, I'd say shoot around is forty-five minutes, maybe fifty minutes. Um, you know, some guys stay in, and get extra shots, obviously. But um, yeah, I don't want them to be overwhelmed. Um, we don't. We don't. We we are very thorough with our scouts, but. Uh, again, very efficient, efficient with our clips. I don't want our guys falling asleep. Um, then when we get to uh, uh, 60 minutes before, uh, we'll go over the scout in the locker room. They go out. Um, we, again, same thing, Groundhog Day in our in our routine for the game uh, in skill development. And then uh, we come back, I think, 26. Um, I'm going to take I'm going to take about six minutes. And, uh, and I don't do any, you know, when I was a young coach, I would give, you know, the, the Mike Krzyzewski, rah-rah, pregame speech. Uh, th- those are kind of out the door for me now. Yep. Um, you know, I think they don't, they don't last. And so uh, these are the goals of the game. These are your assignments. This is what I think is important. Uh, we, we go back through our, you know, to, you can't give up the you know transition baskets our get, get backs got to get back it's it's the same thing they hear every single day um and then and then we go out and play and uh halftime uh i'll send uh whoever the assistant is that has the scout uh to go to go back in while the coaches meet and they talk about uh what what the other team ran what we saw at you know in the first half and kind of brush brush the scouting report again if there's anything that we're seeing different, and then I'll come in and uh, and go over numbers. Uh, we're pretty numbers based, uh, and then and then we get them out and try to get them out in time to get out there and get back on the court. Uh, I hate when you know the team comes out late. Yep. And then uh, post game we have a wrap up. I never talk to the team about really what happened in the game until I can watch the film. Uh, I think you know in an emotional state you. 
you say things that you think are true and aren't always true. Um, and so we'll we'll come back the next day, and every every assistant has a uh, a, a, a game wrap up. Uh, the guy, with the, the coach with the scout, has um, the film. And again, unless it's an extreme case, uh, our first scrimmage was, was an extreme case. So I came in and hammered them with the film, but that rarely happens. We go uh, four good, four bad, plus one, and the plus one can be anything. And we try to be very focused on you know what we teach them, and uh, and then they're going to get a rebounding effort stat sheet. They're going to get an individual grade out. They're going to get uh, how we did on ATOs, how we did on paint touches, how we did on out of bounds. Um, so we'll we'll go through all the numbers, and then you know we t- we tell them after the game we're gonna we're gonna uh, celebrate or mourn until midnight. We put it to bed, and then we move on to the next day. And mm-hmm. We try to stack another good day. I assume with that that four good and four bad, four good, four bad. That's you know four good things that you that you saw. Four things we got to do a lot better, and then the the plus one is just kind of a wild card type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So so you got nine clips. Um, so we don't spend. You know, I know I know there's some really good coaches that spend an hour in that film room, you know, watching the film, but literally nine clips, and then we're moving. Mm-hmm. I, I really like what you said about, you know, having it stay with us until midnight, and then then we move forward. We we kind of, in a different way. I, I tell my kids, if you know, if we win, hey, enjoy it until your head hits the pillow. Then we got to get to work tomorrow. If we lose, uh, you know, have it bother you until your head hits the pillow, and then we got to get better tomorrow. And you know, how important is it to to be able to to transition from one game to the next and and move on? And, and learn and teach and understand when you play poorly what you have to correct, but you also can't hold on to that forever. Yeah, you know, I used to hear when I was a young coach, I always had this saying stuck in my head that, that uh, losses travel in twos and threes. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, as much uh, a problem with the coaching as it is the, the playing, uh, because we do hold on to it. And, you know, think about your own career, you don't, you don't remember the wins. You might remember a specific win championship here and there, but mm-hmm. you remember those losses. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think, you know, as, as a coach, it's good for us too. You know, we, you know, mourn it, learn from it until, until midnight. And then, you know, as a program, we're going to wake up the next day. We're going to do our wrap up and we're moving on, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's not waiting on us. So, um, you know, so you don't turn one loss into, into uh into two and three you know just like you know trying to teach you guys not to let one bad play turn into two or three how long did it take you to learn how to discipline yourself to keep it short after games because i think that's one of the biggest mistakes we make as coaches is we're emotional where we do this we do that and i know it's it's something i definitely screwed up on when i was uh not as seasoned and experienced you know how important is it to to keep it short after games uh, i mean i think it's i think you can really screw your your team up um and and you can really embarrass yourself if you if you go into that locker room uh with a lot of emotion especially if you you know you're you're, you're upset with a certain player or you know you just gotta you gotta let everybody cool down and um let everybody you know process what happened um, and you know, that's, it, it took me a long time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it also, you know, early in my career, 
was going three hours in practice every day, you know, and I was, you know, grinding them out in late February with three hour practices. So you, you know, you learn and, and, you know, you learn how to get better at what you're doing and, you know, be more efficient. But the, yeah, that, that, that post game emotion that it, it, it's mostly, it mostly will take you to bad places. Not good. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, what's a, what's a typical way that you take gain you know lessons won or lost or le- excuse me lessons from you know game 1 into game 2 uh how do you try to incorporate that incorporate that into the next couple of practices what's a typical way that you guys might do that with your staff yeah i mean we're we're um you know we're pretty we're pretty numbers based so um, you know, we're going to, we're going to analyze the numbers and, and, uh, and we're going to make tweaks and changes, uh, almost constantly, uh, and, and try to teach our players as well to see the game in those numbers. So let's say we, you know, we, we weren't keeping, we, we want to get it in the paint and keep it out of what we call the box. And let's say we had bad paint touch box touch numbers and we lost the game. Well, you know, we're going to show the clips you know, the four good, four bad will probably be four good, us getting it into paint, four bad, uh, you know, us not being able to keep it out of the box. And then we show them the numbers, like, you know, it, it pretty much plays it, itself out every game. You know, you get it in the paint, you shoot a really high percentage, um, you turn it over less, you you know, everything happens, um, you know, good. And and then you, if the other team's getting it in there, their numbers are going to be good and your defensive numbers are going to be bad. So, mm-hmm. um you know those post game wrap ups we try to make pretty focused because it's a long season and if you can correct the paint touch thing a problem in this game you might not correct everything but you've corrected one one part mm-hmm. and you know the next game might be rebounding might be something else so we're pretty we're pretty pointed in, in trying to improve want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers Go to apennantanapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our A Pen and a Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. Apennantanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach let's uh uh coach let's wrap up here let's let's talk about special situations uh end of game situations uh you guys obviously not everybody has the shot clock but obviously you have the shot clock so uh you know your possessions are are obviously timed every time you got it uh you know so so what are some things that you do in practices, in, in coaches' meetings, in, in prepping for games, whatever the situation may be, uh, what are some things that you have done that, that has helped you to prepare your team and your staff for special situations, end-of-game situations, all of that type of stuff? Uh, is it something that you change from game to game? Do you have a set play or two that you know you're going to use in certain situations? Uh, just just what, have, what have you done to, to help you be successful in those uh, circumstances? Yeah, you know, I have a, a, a notebook that I have played that, uh, whether it's side or out of bounds under for, for special situations. Um, and I keep that, I keep that on the bench. Um, you know, by, by this point in my career, a lot of that's in my head. Uh, and, and I can, I can go on the fly a little bit more. 
Um, we play like tomorrow. We'll play. It, it's Monday, and we'll it'll be compete Monday. So we'll play. We'll play little mini games uh, with. You know, we've got you know a scout coming up, and we'll break those into four man actions, and we'll we'll play a score out with dip, guarding different actions or transition defense, just like old school transition defense. And mm-hmm. um, so we'll have a lot of uh, game situations where we've done this drill work and we've scored it, and then at the end we're okay. We're going to play. We're going to play this score for the next two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those will happen organically. Uh, I have also tried, um, I have a, a deck of um, situation cards and, you know, they're pretty, it's pretty easy to make, just sit down one day and make a bunch of cards that, you know, all the situations you could think of and, you know, then you can go in the deck and just pull a card out of the deck and that's your situation for the day. Mm. Um, and and uh, one of the things that I just did uh, that I, I really, I think I'll do it every year now so we had a Saturday where we we're going to go twice, um, and in the morning they just they're in their own gear. Um, we got some shots, skill development, and then I told him um, the old the old uh, Dick Davenzio book stuff. Good players should know. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. So uh, he was one of one of the guys that had an influence on me, and uh, so I told him this is going to be the practice of stuff good players should know. So I literally took them different places on the court and we went through, you know, all right, here's how we're going to, here's how we line up at a timeout. Here's how we line up at a 32nd timeout. Um, so, so go through any scenario. I had like, had to whittle it down from like four pages of notes that I wrote <laughs> when I was working on it. So don't, don't save the ball under your own basket. You know, here's what we do. If you, you know, um, you know, are we going to foul up three, you know, with, with seven or less seconds, you know, we went through all these situations and just, uh, just general basketball stuff and stuff. Good players should know. So now I've got these notes and I, I think every year on a Saturday morning or some, some, you know, light practice will go stuff good players should know because they loved it. They absolutely, I, I thought I would lose them mm-hmm. um, after a while. And we went for about 90 minutes and I'd say for 95% of it, they were locked in. So it's, you know, players want to, players want to know that stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, do you uh, like when you, uh, you're down to 15 seconds left, you call timeout ball on the side. Uh, when mm-hmm. you're when you're drawing something up, is that stuff that you've ran through with your players in practice, or uh, is it is it pretty original? Do you do you like to go to maybe? And again, I know every situation is different. You got scout considerations, foul, you know, just all the variables that go into it. But uh, you know, talking in a, in a typical situation, Bart, you know what what do you? Uh, you know, how do you, you get your team ready for that in that regard? Because I know sometimes coaches just draw it up and they expect their players to know it. You know, we we try to, you know, yeah, we're going to draw it up and maybe it's something that we haven't done all game, but we've ran it before in practice. And so hopefully it looks a little bit familiar. Uh, you know, how, how do you how do you and your staff usually uh, typically handle that situation? Yeah, I, I don't I don't really like to run things in the game that we have never done in practice. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, generally it will be something, you know, we do a lot of, um, a lot of work in each practice every day where, um, we call one thing, one it goes where I come in and they 
and I draw whatever we're going to run on the board. And so they've gotten used to seeing me draw different little variations of what we do on the board. So I, I can always tweak a little bit if you see something in the game. Um, but it's always generally in, you know, whatever, so, something that they've run before. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be a slip in there. Or there might be a, you know, a, a curl of screen and pop or, you know, whatever, whatever you're trying to accomplish. Um, but it's not, it's not drastically different. Uh, it's not a whole new play. I don't think I'd ever just draw up a whole new play, mm-hmm. um, from, from something they've never seen. Yep. So I, I think the best counters are always, uh, little variations of your everyday plays. Gotcha. Uh, into shot clock stuff. Uh, let's, let's wrap up there. What, what are some things that you guys do with, with shot clock? Obviously it's something that at the college level, all, all college coaches deal with some high school coaches deal with it a lot still don't we're getting there slowly but surely uh but but what are some so what's some advice that you have for working with the shot clock uh don't do it (laughs) that's my (laughs) advice uh so so we 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 do nothing and i battle our guys all the time um you know just like when teams are switching and you're struggling with it i want it to come out in the wash so we we talk about paint touches and this is this is what we're not going to pull the ball out and come to the ball screen or don't have a certain action. Uh, I want you guys to go get a paint touch, pop your feet, and try to make a play for somebody else. And what I what I tell them is, um, I, I would rather us uh, not get a shot off and the shot clock go off. I think what what teams do to get them in trouble is they either they either let the defense set and they come run something you know that they have it, they pull the ball ball out We're, we always want to be on attack in the attack mode uh or, or they or they allow a player to you know take a take a long three not that we don't ever do that um we've got some guys that will do that with you know 25 seconds left on the shot clock take mm-hmm. a take a bad three um but we, we really preach either go get a paint touch or just or just keep working the offense and if the shot clock goes off then so be it. We get to set our defense. We pick people up 94 feet. Uh, we're really hard to score on when our defense is set 94 feet. And, you know, we're cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of taking something that maybe wasn't a great opportunity for us and, and now we're in defensive transition where we're not nearly as good. Awesome. Great place to end it, Coach. Um Really, really great stuff here. If if uh, folks wanted to know more about the uh, the Panther program, if they wanted to know more about you, uh, how would they find out about it? Oh, just uh, you know, Google Milwaukee. Uh, well, don't Milwaukee basketball is probably going to get you Giannis and Dane at this point. But <laughs> well, you could use uh, him though, you, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I could use both those guys. What a great time to be in Milwaukee. You bet. Um, so, so um, you know, I'm I'm on Twitter. I think it's Coach Spart Lundy. And uh, and then you can you can look a program up, um, you know, on Twitter. It's uh, MKE Men's Basketball, and then you know uh, they can Google uh, UW Milwaukee Basketball and find out everything. And for the coaches out there, our practices are always open. Uh, we got a twelve million dollar practice facility we just opened. Up. I still pinch myself that that's now now my classroom. So come out and see us, and you know always. It, no one has a patent on knowledge, so more people that come see me, the more people I can learn from. Awesome. Terrific stuff. Bart Lundy, head men's basketball coach at the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
Coach, thank you so much for your time tonight. Really, really appreciate it. I'm glad we kind of finally got hooked up here after two or three weeks of uh, bouncing messages back and forth to each other. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin. Thanks, Marty. I appreciate it. Thanks for what you do for basketball. All right. All right. If you could hold the line just a second here. Uh, again, Bart Lundy, want to thank him for coming on here. Uh, the first part of things here, Rashawn Burno, uh, the head men's basketball coach at Northern Illinois. So two terrific mid-major basketball coaches here uh, on, the, on the podcast this week. Want to thank both of these guys for their time when, when they're really, really busy. Uh, we want to thank uh, our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic. Again, if you need any services done, uh, don't hesitate to call Dr. Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi, 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, add a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, or review this podcast. Give us five stars. Would really appreciate it. Email me if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Episode 197, absolutely terrific stuff with Coach Bruno and Coach Lundy. Folks, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.